All right, welcome to the Sons of Fantasy Football League podcast. We're talking the trade deadline, <clears throat> my least favorite week of the year, and week nine tonight on the podcast. Joining me tonight from the Seawolves, we have Phil Bruce. How you doing, Phil? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Still in first place, even despite the drubbing that I took last week from Fagley. Happy to be here. Yeah, you called that one last week, didn't you? Well, I, I, I said any team that has Mahomes and Hill on it, it's not dead. Any any given week, you can beat anybody, and that's exactly what happened. They uh, they just took the Jets to Abusement Park last night or last week. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> uh, joining us from Teabag, take your ball and go home. Shane Stein, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. A little new look Teabag this week, huh? A new look. Um, finally throw our hat into the cellar ring last night, late last night. Um, Going to say good luck to the rest of the squad. It's making a playoff push this year. We'll see you in 2021. It's a more familiar looking T-Bag roster after the trade deadline. This is the, the teams that, team that we're used to seeing, Scraps. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to lay low for a few weeks here, and we're going to make our push week 13. Yeah, so we'll see how that that's goes. That's what we're going to try to do. Hopefully it matters for me. <laughs> First play of tonight's game, catch for Aaron Jones. And he just had like a 10-yard run. Oh, you're a play ahead of me. All right. All right, so we have a lot to cover tonight. <clears throat> um, trivia, trade recaps. There was seven deals that went down at the deadline. Very active. Um, relatively drama-free, I think, too, which is good. Um, this week always is... Brutal for me because anytime something happens, I usually have like four people in the league messaging me to ask what the hell's going on. And it actually wasn't too bad this year, but um, just, you know, standard stuff. It's the one week that's just everyone's on edge and stresses me out. But we're through it, hopefully, and now we'll see how the rest of the regular season shakes out. So we'll go over trades, and then we'll look at the Week 9 matchups. I'm not going to talk about waivers this week. I think it was relatively inconsequential, um, especially now that Aaron Jones is playing. Dexter, William, Dexter Williams and Tyler Irvin turn out to be uh, meaningless pickups. So let's start off with a little trivia. Shane gave us no heads up as to where he's going tonight, so we'll see where we're at. Got two questions for you guys tonight. Um since we have a little extra time, we'll, we'll do both. They both should be a little lengthy, I guess, here. Um, first one, we're at the halfway point of the 2020 season here through eight weeks, roughly halfway. Um, most teams have eight games in. Um, um, there are 15 players in the league that are not quarterbacks, so we're taking quarterbacks off the list, that have scored 115 fantasy points this year. Year. So I'm looking for see how much you guys have been paying attention. I'm looking for the top 15 non-quarterbacks in our league this year so far. Give me Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is number three, 143.6 points. All right, well, I'll take the uh, screenshot you sent out to the league of the number one receiver. That would have to put him in there, uh, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley <laughs> is number four. 
be Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is number two. 157.9 points. Also leading the league in points per game for non-quarterbacks. I'll take, I think he's number one, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is number one. 169.2 has played an extra game compared to Dalvin Cook. Nice, uh, nice job, Phil. Good job this week. Maybe. Yeah, you didn't give us like Ladanian Tomlinson or anything. <laughs> uh, let's see. Reason, reason for every question. Um, how about Devonte Adams? Devonte Adams is number fourteen. He just hopped in. He has 115.7, 23.1 a week, though. Missed a couple weeks to injury as well. So big, big couple weeks the last couple for Devontae. And another big one tonight already with a big touchdown here early. Did he get both feet in? Well, he got it a matter. And he got an elbow. Uh, all right. Yeah, Some of us have Devontae Adams scoring first touchdown for plus 350. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I'll take uh, I'll take a member of the Desert Dogs. I believe Tyler Lockett's on this list. Tyler Lockett's number six. He has 127 points. Might as well take the low hanging fruit there, Phil, that Kyle's just laid out for you. I uh, <coughs> really wasn't paying that much of attention. Well, I just said Tyler Lockett, so after that, you go with. You've been watching your quarterback throw them the ball 50 times a game. Might as well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, I'll go Metcalf. Metcalf is number five, 129 points. Just ahead of Lockett. All right, I'll take who I, the... I'll take who I think the best receiver in football is. That would be the Arizona Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre is number eleven. He has 118.9 points. Give me who I think is the best receiver in football. And Tyreek Hill. <laughs> He's number seven, 124.6. All right, we got to get some running backs on this list, huh? Yeah, you got three of them so far. Um, Aaron Jones has to be on here. Aaron Jones is not on the list. Mm. Nice one. Oh, my God. Oh my god, that means I am one answer away from victory. <laughs> Give me one of 
the best keeper options that we've ever seen in the history of the league and James Robinson. James Robinson is number eight. He's the fourth running back. 122.1 points. I think there's a reason for this question. There is. And I think it's the number 15 guy. (laughs) And I think he's the background on my Zoom meeting right now. I think that's Mr. Todd Gurley. It is Mr. Todd Gurley. He's not 15, though. He's number 13. Oh, all right. Todd Gurley has been very good this year. He's the number six running back, 116.3. Still right there in the thick of the RB1. Old man Gurley. Number 13 on this list. That was that was kind of the shocking one for me. I saw that. I was like, wow, I can, didn't think he'd been that good. But still gets in the end zone like you tell us every week. I'm going to go for the other low-hanging fruit, and that is another Desert Dog player, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is on here. He's number 12. 117.5 points. Uh, I think people would be surprised, but I think Zeke's on this list. Zeke got off to a hot start. He is still on this list. Um, he's number nine, 121.1 points. Um, would have been near the top here, I'd have to believe, if uh, Dak stayed healthy. Two left. I feel like there's a type. I think Kelsey's on here. Travis Kelsey's number 10. He's the only non-running back receiver on this list. 121 points. You guys get the top 14 right away. You guys on your shit tonight. Last one. Pretty tough, obviously. I mean. Um... Kareem Hunt? Kareem Hunt is number 15. 115.2 points. Having a nice year. Taking advantage of Chubb being out here the last few. Um, yeah, nice job with that, guys. Nice job. I'll take the dub. Yeah, nice job. So going with the team we've been having fun with the last couple of weeks. I, I'm sure you guys studied up a little bit. I'm sure caused it anyway. I did not. Uh, <laughs> Thursday night battle here between the Niners and Packers, two two pretty storied franchises. I'm looking at. I have the top running back for the Packers now, Mr. Aaron Jones. I have the top two actually. There have been eleven players in the past decade that have led either one of these franchises in rushing. I'm looking for the 11 players that have led the Niners or Packers in rushing yards for a season in the 2010s. Other than Jones? Well, Jones is on this list. He, he led him in 2019 and 18, so I guess we're looking for the other 10. Okay. Um, let's go Mr. Frank Orr. 
Mr. Frank Gore led the Niners from 2005 to 2014. <laughs> Ten consecutive seasons. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> that is impressive. <laughs> Still kicking, and he is, is on T-Bags roster right now. <laughs> I, was, I didn't study my Packers and Niners. I thought you were going to ask to name the 104 players that have been involved in trade deadline deals between the Seawolves and take the ball and go home. So I, I was not prepared for this question. Um, but I will go with, speaking of trades, the first big trade that we ever had in the Sons of Fantasy Football League was Devonta Freeman at $5 or $6 for a gentleman named Eddie Lacy. Damn it. That Eddie Lacy led the Packers in 2013, 14, and 15. I wonder where that guy is right now. At a buffet. <laughs> yeah, if you can find a buffet that exists in the pandemic, <laughs> tell me where it is. Oh, damn it, Eddie Lacy was my next one. Um... So the Niners ones are pretty easy. The Packers ones are, are the tougher part of this question. Hmm. Four of the players remaining on this list are actively on a roster in our league right now. led the Niners last year? He did. Raheem Mostert led the Niners in 2019. Okay. Um, hmm. <clears throat> this is, uh, this feels tougher because Tevin Coleman was on the Niners in 18? He was, but he did not lead them. Okay. Whew. You guys got any more guesses or I'll close it out and we'll get the trades? Um, I'm drawing major blanks here. We should. Uh, I know we had some some feedback from some people in the league saying we should have some phone ins for the for the trivia section. Got some people screaming into their yeah, I know into their into their phones tomorrow when they're listening to this. One big name for the Niners, pretty good fantasy player from 2015, 16, 17. Same division, still in the NFL. 
Mr. Carlos Hyde. Oh, yeah. Of the Niners. Oh, yeah. For those three years, he is on Papa Kaz's squad, I believe. Um, uh, might be the starting running back for your Miami Dolphins this week. Matt Mr. Burita. Matt Breida of the Niners in 2018. Um, currently on the COVID reserve list on T-Bag's roster, Jamal Williams led the Packers in 2017. Um, 2016 was a weird year for the Packers where the Lacey was terrible. They didn't really have a running back, so they went to Ty Montgomery. Was the leader for the Packers then. And then some some blasts from the past here for the Packers. I didn't expect you to get this one. Alexander Green led them in 2012. Alexander Um, Green? 2011. Yeah. Who is that? No idea. Uh, not Amon Green? That's what... There's Alexander Green. I... <laughs> that's, what the, that's what the database told me. I've literally never um, heard of that guy. <laughs> 2011 was a... Actually, I think it was a starter in their one Super Bowl. Uh, uh, was that the year they went... Were they in the Super Bowl that year? I can't remember. Ryan Grant? Um, tw- no, Ryan Grant led them in 2008 and 2009. Uh, 2011, it was James, James and in 2010, it was Brandon Jackson. Oh, my God. The Packers. Yeah. Wow. So some tough names there in the Packers. Literal uh, rough running back history there in the in the 2010s. I've literally never heard of Alexander Green. I, I never did either. He, that name, I mean, I was really shocked. When, when I saw it was A. Green, I was like, oh, it's Amon Green. And then I looked it up, it was Alexander Green. I was like, um, I don't know who this guy is, but... Amon Green led the Packers in 2006. <laughs> so this was the 2012 Packers? Yep. He had 464 yards rushing <clears throat> to lead the team. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of him. That's incredible. Oh my God. Alex Green, Cedric Benson, James Starks. Dewan Harris and Ryan Grant. That was their running back room in 2012. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, pretty uh, pretty crappy. That's awful. And that team went 11 and 5. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I'm sure I can recover from that Alex Green name. It's that's just bad. Um. All right. Well, let's regroup here. Uh, let's talk trades. As I mentioned, pretty active trade deadline. Uh, we had seven trades go down <clears throat> yesterday. I'm just going to go in chronological order of how they were accepted and just give a little feedback on each deal. We'll start off with Spears and Fedley making um, their annual swap. I guess I can't make fun of you guys if these guys do it every year too, but um, Tyler Boyd. A $16 Tyler Boyd and $35 cash for Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, and Melvin Gordon. Uh, my thoughts on the deal. Spears really liked Boyd as a potential keeper next year. I uh, hadn't really thought about him as a potential keeper, but when Spears told me that, I looked it up, and Tyler Boyd's the number eight receiver in football this year. So he probably just missed being on our list for tonight. Um you know, that's a team that's been throwing a lot. An offense that's getting better. Joe Burrow's incredible. I told Spears I think Higgins will end up being the number one next year, but um, 
You know, Boyd's obviously a good player. I owned him last year. Fegley makes the swap to decide to start to buy after selling off some pieces last week. And he gets Robert Woods, Kenny Galladay, and Melvin Gordon. Uh, I love Robert Woods. I think he's an outstanding football player. I hate the quarterback that throws him the football. I think he's, like, one of the three worst in the league. Um, but Woods somehow still gets it done. Galladay, the hip injury is going to be a little concerning. He could miss two to four weeks. So that would really hurt Fegley. It's a little bit of a risk taking Kenny G, but he's outstanding when he's healthy. And then Melvin Gordon helps helps the running back situation for Fegley, but uh, that usage has been concerning in the past couple of weeks. So Fegley gets gets better, obviously. You know, adding players like that, you, you get better. But um, I'm not sure it gets him over the hump to compete with a team like Phil. Yeah, same here. Um, I like the Tyler Boyd ad. He's probably right on the fringe of being being like a good keeper in the league. He's, uh, I shouldn't say that. He's, he's a good keeper. He's not – I wouldn't put him in a top-tier keeper, but I, I still think he's going to be he's, – he's definitely a keepable player at that price tag um, for next year. So, I mean, Spears gets a, a decent, cheap option there. And as far as Fegley, I mean, this is kind of just – from my end, it's a, it's a shot in the dark. I mean, I'm not excited about any of these guys, really. Um, Melvin Gordon, I'm I'm not sure what's going on there, but I, I honestly could see Philip Lindsay taking that backfield over. Um, I don't know about completely, but I could see him start even getting more touches than Gordon does per week. Um, feels like he's just a more explosive player right now. Um, Galladay, you cited the injury concerns, clearly missing a couple of weeks. Fedley has to pretty much win four out of five. Um, it's four and four right now. I don't know that seven and six is going to get it, going to get you in. Um, so he really, he can't afford to miss many weeks and, and Robert Woods, I don't know. I, I've never really, never really been on Robert Woods, but I mean, it adds depth to a squad and he, he needed some players if he was going to try to contend and that's what he went with. Yeah. I, I like, I like the Boyd piece of this deal for sure. I, I have concerns around Galladay. Um, I don't know how happy he is in Detroit, and it uh, it just feels like it's an injury that it's not all that serious, but he could make it serious and sit out because I don't I don't think he's all that happy with his contract situation. That being said, it's a good it's a good shot in the dark. I don't like Melvin Gordon, but see how the next few weeks shake out, and maybe you get something good in Galladay, maybe you get something you can start in Gordon. Just not loving it right now. Yeah, there's something to be said for Galladay, Phil. Um, he is a free agent after the season. So he's... Uh, it's double-edged sword. Like, <clears throat> I don't think he's going to want to risk injury, but he may want to show out to get a contract. I'm not sure a player of his caliber in today's NFL needs to finish the season strong to get paid. Um, someone's going to be willing to give Kenny Galladay money next season. So if this injury lingers, maybe he shuts it down on a team that's struggling. So, um, All right, next deal. Went down between uh, Mixed Mad Dogs and Abuseman Park. Micah had reached out to me about possibly selling McCaffrey at the start of the week. Um, I'm just, I wasn't there wanting to sell, so... 
we weren't able to get anything done. And then the news comes out that Miles Gaskins has a knee injury and he's going to miss at least this week. Today we found out that he's on IR, so he's down for at least three more weeks. Um, so already thin at the running back position, Micah decides to go out and make a move. And it was a cheap move. He didn't need to pay a whole lot. Um, you know, it's kind of a move that we've seen the Storms brothers make together the last couple of years where they, you know, they're not ones to assume a ton of risk. And this is a low-risk move, um, but it does improve his team in the short term with losing Gaskins. So Micah gets Travis Fulgham and Matt Breida for Jerry Judy, who's $3 for next year, Jimmy Graham, and $10. Sure gets to his $50, $50. And I'll just point out that a couple weeks ago, when I asked you guys, is Travis Fulgham going to be the last piece that Sure sends off to get his full 50? You guys laughed at me, but it did work out that way. So what are your thoughts on Fulgham and Breida for Judy, Graham, and 10? Yeah, um, I knew Sure was trying to sell. He tried to sell me um, in the beginning of the week um, when I was still considering buying. Um, these are some players he was considering trying to get rid of. Um, I thought about going after Brita and Fulgham. Um, I thought it was a good cheap buy for mixed Mad Dogs. I thought they were some some good good buys for for you didn't really have to go out and spend a whole lot of money to get some flex worthy players. Um, he's already got a pretty good roster. He probably just needed a little bit of depth, and I think that Fulgham has shown that he he can be that guy. Um, been pretty solid here since uh, I would say like what the last three four weeks. So, um, it looks like he's going to be here to stay in the in the in the Eagles' offense. So I think that's a nice nice sad. Um, Matt Burita will wait and see um, kind of how this week shakes out to see if that's going to be anything. Um, not really sure what direction that uh, Dolphins backfield is going to go. Well, he ended but, up uh, on the he ended up on the injury report too this week with a knee. So yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with Gaskins out who who starts getting the ball. I mean, there's there's just a bunch of mediocre talent there in Miami, how, how they're going to spread that out. So I'm not sure that Breed is going to be too much of an impact, but we'll see. Uh, I'm more excited about Fulgham being, a, being a, a solid flex play where he can get you, get you at least somewhere around double digits pretty much every week. I think Phil's asleep. Not true. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Give, give, give me a minute. Let's go. All right. Uh, not our best radio. That's fine. Um, yeah, so I think I was actually wrong. Brita popped up with a hamstring. So it could be the corpse of Jordan Howard this week. Or it could be uh, Shane's favorite running back from last year, Patrick Laird. Um so, yeah, Fulgham and Breed are nice ads. Judy at $3 is interesting. I don't. I think Sure is going to obviously have better keepers, and um, Judy started to slow down a little bit. But, yeah, good. Makes Micah better. He's kind of in the same boat as Fegley. Um, that team's going to go as far as Rodgers and Adams take him, and he just needs players to contribute alongside of them. Yep. Uh, next move is between Ty and Eddie. Uh, Ty sends A.J. Brown. 
the Titans receiver over to Eddie for Debo Samuel and $18. So um, Eddie and I were kind of jockeying together for Edwards Hilaire with Spears. And I texted Eddie. I'm like, I don't know why you're trying to get a running back, dude. Like, you need a receiver because Thomas and Crowder have been banged up. And um, the the part that's made your team struggle is the fact that you've been try- you've had to fill a receiver spot. You have plenty of running backs. And he said, don't worry about it. And two minutes later, A.J. Brown's on his team. So he obviously had a plan there. Um, nice ad by... Uh, Eddie, he's not flashy by any means, but the dude just puts up points. He's really consistent and uh, definitely makes Eddie better here. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Um, obviously, I'm a big, big AJ Brown fan. I think the guy's a stud. Um, kind of limited in that offense with uh, how, how often Derrick Henry touches the ball, but still manages to. He gets in the end zone a lot. He, he makes a lot of big plays, and he's clearly their most athletic option that they have on offense. Um, so he's, he's going to get the ball. You're, you know he's going to touch the ball a decent amount of times on offense. So um, thought it was a good, good buy there for, uh, for the curtain. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I kind of think he is flashy. Um, I think it's a good buy. He's a good player. Uh, good move. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, flashy may not be the word. I just don't think you're ever going to get the the Julio Jones games where you go, you know, 16 for 150. I mean, Brown's just going to be 7 for 90, and, uh, you know, more often than not, he's probably going to score a touchdown, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with 18 points. So um, I just don't think he has the ceiling that other receivers have, but his floor is probably higher. Uh, next deal was between me and Spears. I send Raheem Mostert, Dexter Williams, and fifteen dollars uh, for Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Didn't really feel great about giving up uh, Mostert. He's a player that I really like, and he's been uh, really good when he's been healthy. But uh, he's last two years really struggled with injuries, and at this point in the season, I just can't afford that. Um, and it was also a cap move for me to be able to take on the $80 salary of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and stay at $300 exactly. Um, get Spears his full $50 for next year, keeping uh, Alvin Kamara with either Tyler Boyd or Raheem Mostert. So he's got two options there. He really liked Mostert, and if he finishes strong, he may end up being a better keeper option than Boyd. So um, makes me better, allows me to not start Adrian Peterson this week, which is the real reason why I needed to go out and get a running back with Henderson and Mixon on by. So, had to get the deal done, and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, kind of make or break time for the Desert Dogs right now, huh? I mean, you had to, you pretty much sure win or go home almost at this point. Um, Obviously, picking up Hilaire is is nice for for this week. Carolina has been pretty weak defensively um Hilaire should do well and makes your team makes your team a lot better I mean I, I think that we're looking at probably the second or third best roster in the league I'd say um in my opinion now that McCaffrey's back um if Hilaire continues to do what he does I mean that's a pretty good one-two punch there in the in the running back spot so 
was a, that was a good move by the Desert Dogs. Um, that was a good move all around. I think having Mostert as that backup keeper option, um, we'll see. He's shown, he's shown that he can be pretty good when he does play when he's healthy. So if he's in there, um, I expect him to to do well, and he could be a could be a nice option at the end of the year. Maybe maybe Spears looks at keeping for next year or so. Yeah, I'm I'm out on Edwards Hilaire rest of the season. I also think this is a good opportunity to share my stone cold prediction of the week of Panthers outright Chiefs, which translates to Hilaire not having much of a game at all. Um, I think Bell's going to be the bell cow in this offense as much as any running back can be in a Mahomes offense uh, moving forward rest of the season so I, I, I get the play for this week I just don't think it. I don't, I don't think this is it yeah we'll see it's definitely a risk there just weren't many running backs available um, and I've always been a fan of having a piece of the Chiefs offense especially at the running back position so I'm hoping that he has a floor of about 10 to 12 points every week with a chance to do more than that. Um, that's kind of what I think my team needs. I mean, if everyone's healthy, I get to run out Watson, McCaffrey, Hilaire, uh, Daryl Henderson, Mixon, Diggs, Waller, and Lockett, and I'll take that that lineup. So I, I would just need 10 to 12 most weeks from Hilaire to feel pretty good about my team. So that's what I'm hoping for. All right, so we had a little bit of a lull in the trade deadline then. And then Shane decided he wanted to start trading at about 10.30 on the trade deadline. That's usually how it works out. So uh, first one he made is David Montgomery for $22 and Rashard Higgins. Eddie obviously still wanted to get a running back after missing out on Edwards Hilaire. Um... I think he was hoping maybe for a bigger splash, but again, he's probably looking at his roster same way as me, hoping to get 10 to 12 points from this spot, and uh, Montgomery just touches the football so much. So um, he's a good bet to get to that 10 mark, and uh, they have a pretty soft schedule the rest of the way. So not a bad ad there by Eddie. Uh, maybe a little pricey, but that's what you pay for at the very end of the deadline. Yeah, I mean, I waited all day. I, I went back and forth. I just wanted to kind of see what was going to happen in the league. Um, weighed my options, looked at the schedule for everyone rest of the way. Um, figured I needed to win four out of five to, to get in. Um, thought I had a – I mean, I thought my team underperformed. I told Phil yesterday, and I thought there was potential. But just looking at – there was no way I was going to win the tiebreaker over anyone except for maybe tie. So it was like I, I really need just about everything to go my way rest of the season um, to get in. And even then, I'm still probably behind a bunch of teams in the league as far as best roster. So made a tough decision to, to kind of start cutting pieces. Had a bunch of talks going on with a bunch of play, bunch of teams. Um, kind of wanted to make sure I, I got a decent amount of money and had at least one solid keeper for next year. Um, and I thought getting 22 bucks from Montgomery – wasn't going to keep him. Um, I thought it was just worth it at that point. 
Yeah, I, I, I hate everything about Montgomery as a football <laughs> player. He gets the volume. He, he looks like he doesn't even want to be playing football anymore. Um, if you're going to slot him in as a flex one or flex two, I, I can live with that, but not not a big fan of his. 22 bucks seems a, a little rich for me. Well, I was going to ask you, Shane, now that you've owned David Montgomery for eight weeks, will you ever own him again? Because um, I was going to say, I don't think anyone would ever own David Montgomery after owning him, but... Eddie had him last year, and he decided to trade for him again, so. Yeah, I mean, he's not a player that you're getting too excited about, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you look up, and it's generally, you're generally looking at double digits. I mean, when you draft a guy like David Montgomery, I think I don't think you're expecting him to be a top 10 running back in the league. You're expecting him to be in that RB2 category based on volume, and, I mean, the, I guess the disappointing thing is I feel like there's a lot more room for him to do more damage in that offense, but just doesn't get in the end zone enough. And I feel like they could use him out of the backfield a lot more, but it, it just didn't happen enough. Um, so, I mean, he's not an exciting player by any means, but I, he's definitely still a player that needs to be rostered and probably started every week. I mean, he's, he's RB 15, I think. So, I mean, he's right there in the RB two status. He's a, uh, he's the unique fantasy player who has the same ceiling and floor. They're both 10 points. So, um, All right, next trade was between you guys. Eddie called it the annual roster swap, Um, which I just had to laugh about. But Aaron Jones, who will be $11 next year. J.K. Dobbins, who will be $22 next year. And A.J. Green go to T-Bag. While Calvin Ridley, uh, Miles Sanders, and DJ Moore go to the Seawolves. Um, obviously, Phil gets three weekly starters for <clears throat> one stud and two arguably weekly starters. I mean, I was I was trying to get Dobbins from Phil earlier in the week, um, just trying to kind of hedge. Um, Mixon was on by. And, like I said, I was trying to replace that Adrian Peterson spot in the lineup. Um, And I thought Dobbins would be the guy in the backfield. And if it didn't work out for me and make the playoffs, then I had a potential keeper in Dobbins. But we couldn't agree on money to go the other way. So that's why we weren't able to get a deal done. Um, Aaron Jones, obviously this is the second deadline in a row, third season in a row he's been traded, which is just incredible for a player that's done what he's done, but he's had a couple injury issues the last couple years, um, so that's what makes him movable. And then Phil gets Ridley, Sanders, and Moore. Uh, as it's been mentioned many times in this podcast, Ridley's the top receiver in the league right now. Whether or not he can maintain that is up for debate. Uh, Miles Sanders, when healthy, touches the football 25 times and... Um, is as good a player as you can put in at the running back spot just based on volume. And I don't think anyone in the league likes DJ Moore more than I do. So um, I thought it was a pretty good ad by Fell. I'm a little concerned about Ridley and Sanders health-wise uh, rest of the year. But still getting players of those caliber, adding to an already good team is a good move. Go ahead, Phil. 
No, I, I mean, it, it, it seems like a fairly fair deal. Uh, of course, as someone who made the deal, I, I, I would say that I don't, I don't feel like I won or lost the trade. Um, it comes down to two pieces of it. It was pretty much a, a Jones for Sanders and, and, and Ridley deal and knowing that I was getting two guys that are banged up now. Uh, probably won't be pieces now, but it could take me far into the playoffs on a stretch run. And, and, and that's what I was doing there. It was more of long-term. I, I don't have a wide receiver one. Um, so as much as I love rolling out two top five RBs every week with Jones and, and, and Henry, I was willing to make a little bit of a sacrifice there and come back uh, once everyone's healthy, be able to roll out Ridley, wide receiver one, be able to roll out Sanders in a flex spot. And then have a pick of who I want to roll out for my wide receiver, too, whether it be Deontay Johnson, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, if anything comes to that, and and his new roommate with Tom Brady. I don't know. It it just gave me a lot of depth, and I feel like that's going to be more important for this run than than anything else Um, with everything going on with with the pandemic and, and, and COVID. Don't feel like I got a whole lot better don't feel like I got a whole lot worse by it and then the, the Dobbins piece of it I, I, I hated parting with Dobbins I, I love Dobbins I think he's going to be the guy there but uh, I was able to have a good piece and more and it was all part of the same deal so I, I, I took the good with the bad yeah so a lot went into this from my angle and uh I mean, what really sealed the deal was being able to get Dobbins into the into the deal for me. Um, I'm in on him as well. I think he, at some point here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see that he's going to end up being the guy in Baltimore. Um, at least, obviously, that's what I'm hoping for. And I think going forward, he's going to be kind of the feature back there in Baltimore for the next few years. So, hoping that I can sneak a good keeper there with with Dobbins for I think 22 bucks um, in what should be a heavy rushing offense, and he should touch the ball plenty. Um, had a bunch of deals on the table, kind of with Eddie. Had one with Fegley for Miles Sanders. Um, <laughs> Fegley uh, fell asleep. I texted him. I think it was like 10 o'clock last night um, and said, are you still in? And then, unfortunately, he had fell asleep or I'd probably make a move for Miles Sanders where he, he had offered me 28 bucks. I was about to just make that deal, call it a night, and 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 I was going to say, I'll, I'll, I'll take my 28 bucks, keep Ridley next year, and uh, I'll see if I can try to make something happen the rest of the way this year. He didn't answer, so I kind of flipped it and and went start deal with uh with Eddie and Phil. So that's kind of the way that way went. Kind of the way it went. Yeah, um, felt bad for Fegley when I heard that this morning, um, <clears throat> which prompted my email about possibly moving the deadline up for a couple of reasons. One is just to let the natural 24-hour process go of allowing trades to process in case there is a player from the Thursday night game moved. Um, no one had a problem with it today. I didn't think they would, but it would just make things easier if we're able to do that. And it also allows people to go to bed at the normal time and not stay up and wait for you, Shane. So um, I don't think anyone would be opposed to moving the deadline up to 7 p.m. Um, I had been telling people it was noon, and then I checked the the rule book and it was midnight so I wanted to stick with that but um, I think we can probably move that up a couple hours and not allow for that a situation like that to happen again not that it was anyone's fault it just is what it is 
Yeah, I don't have a problem with 7.30 seems fair, maybe even 7, just given that, that hour leeway time before game time to let the trade go through and get your roster set up. Yeah. All right, and then last trade, you uh, moved Juju for $10 and Boston Scott to Papa Kaz. Um He had $20 left to spend, and he was trying to get a player with it, and... Juju's been, I think we talked about disappointing in the beginning of the year, but the targets have picked up the last couple of weeks. And the Steelers have arguably the softest schedule down the stretch the rest of the way. Um, so I thought it was a nice ad getting Juju, and it'll only be $15 next year, so even a potential keeper if things really turn around. Yeah, this was one I, I didn't really want to let go of, but being able to get Dobbins, that was when I was like, all right, you know what, I'm, I'm going to hoped if Dobbins pans out and I could part with Juju. He was going to be my backup keeper option. Um, clearly still at a pretty low price. Um, hasn't done a whole lot to wow you this year to be like, yeah, I want to keep that guy. But um, still think he's, I think there's a lot of room for him to grow. He's still a young guy. Um, and I think he's going to play well down the stretch here. He was kind of part of the, one of the reasons I was holding on and saying, I think I might be able to win a few games down the stretch here my roster because I think he's going to play well and, and look more like um, the Juju that we've seen in the past. Maybe not to that extent, but I think he has a really nice close to the year here. Um, but once I got rid of the other guys, it was like, who else can I sell kind of to, to get some more cash? Papakaz had reached out earlier in the night, and I was still trying to sell Juju in, in another deal with Eddie. Kind of that one kind of fell through, so I, I ended up just being able to make the, the 10 bucks up there with, with Papa Cost. It's a dark throw, right? Uh, you don't know what you're getting. A lot of upside. He just hasn't been the guy that you want him to be in that offense for whatever reason. Claypool, Deontay Johnson seem to be higher in the pecking order so far, but. You also wonder if they're they're keeping some stuff under wraps here for the regular season now that you know it's it's surefire that they're gonna make the playoffs. I mean he's replacing in Papa Kaz's lineup the, the spot that Edelman had at the start of the year. And I think he can do that. I mean, even if he's gonna get five five catches a game, <clears throat> he should be getting at least five for fifty most weeks, and then you're just hoping maybe he gets a couple more than that or maybe falls in the end zone on one of them. So, again, with Papa Kaz having Julio Jones and Will Fuller in his lineup, um, Will Fuller, when healthy, has arguably been a wide receiver one this year. So, having those two guys um, already ahead of Juju, Juju will be a nice flex play for Papa Kaz as he makes a push to try to get in the playoffs. All right, we're going to take a short break. We knew we were going to go a little long tonight. So I'm going to cut this feed and then start the next one up where we'll get into the Week 9 matchups. All right, now we're going to get into the Week 9 matchups. The start of the second round of divisional play. We're going to start off with Abusement Park against Team Ice Cream. Last time these two teams hooked up, Ice Cream won 141-100. to That was in Week 4. Uh, this week, the projection is 101 for Team Ice Cream to 72.8 for Abusement Park. We'll start off talking about the park. Jerry Judy, <clears throat> only over 10 points one time this season. This week, he gets the Falcons. 
Will he get over 10 points this week against the Atlanta pass defense? So that one time you're speaking of was against the Jets, who are also very bad. Um, yeah, you had that incredible touchdown catch. Yeah, against me. Um, <laughs> or he had the ridiculous 40-yard touchdown catch or whatever it was. Um, been pretty bad otherwise, I'm actually surprised I was high on Judy coming into the year. I thought he was going to be much bigger impact. I think he has a – I think we see Judy grow a little bit here in the second half of the season. I think he's a pretty good player. Um, I'm going to give him just over 10 this week against Atlanta. I also like him over 10. Um, I think he's going to have a good second half of the season. I think he's a good player. He's – He's so young. Well, a lot of these guys need time to break out. We see a lot of these guys break out second, third, fourth years in the league. But I think they'll start to show some signs. What equals over 10 against the Falcons. The Broncos are not a good team by any means, but they're playing better with Drew Locke back at quarterback. Um, I think part of Judy's struggles in the beginning of the year were how bad the quarterback situation was while Locke was hurt. I think he'll probably emerge as the number one receiver on this team. Um, my only concern about him getting over 10 is that Noah Fant gets a ton of targets, and uh, Atlanta's pretty terrible against tight ends, so I like Fant this week. Um, and then we've seen Lindsey have a little bit of juice lately, so it's not like he's going to get peppered with targets. K.J. Hamler's looked okay. Now that he's yeah, there's a lot, of mouse to feed. <clears throat> a lot of mouths to feed in the offense. I feel like they're not necessarily stud players, all of them, but I mean, I think there's a lot of options there between, between like you said, Fan, Lindsey, and Gordon, and Judy, I mean, there's just a lot of, and I mean, I've, they even like, Albert O has been a lot, gotten a lot of targets the last couple of weeks, it's just like, uh, there's a lot of people, they spread it around, so I mean, I'm not sure that the ceiling is necessarily that high right now, but I think Judy's going to grow into a guy that's going to eventually be a focal point for them in the, in the passing game. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of room for this team to grow offensively around their young pieces. Uh, we'll see if they all can <clears throat> reach their potential. Uh, moving over to Ice Cream. Have we seen the end of Devontae Parker's high ceiling now that two is the quarterback of the Dolphins? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think uh, we've spoken about this, how we I think two is going to struggle. Um I, I just can't see him being a, a great quarterback in this league. Maybe I'll eat some crow at some point later, but um, I think Fitzpatrick gives Parker a much higher ceiling. Um, I'd much rather have him back there as my quarterback is if you're looking for fantasy production from, from the wideouts in, in Miami. Um, I, th- I think Parker's value comes comes way down here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think he was trending in the wrong direction anyway. Um, and you throw two in the mix. Tua, I don't know. I, I think the Dolphins might be out on Tua, too. He's small. He's not as shifty as, uh, you know, a Wilson or a, a Kyler Murray is for, for, for that size. I, I, I struggle with what, what he's actually good at. He, he's accurate, but there's not too many small, non-shifty guys that, that have been all that good at the quarterback position um, and all that translates into Devontae Parker being you know, a, 
in a, a regular fantasy league probably out on the waiver wire at some point over the next few weeks, but maybe not this one. Yeah, um, it's interesting. There was a report from Schefter last week that the Dolphins made this move because they have the Texans pick, who which should be a top 10 pick, um, and they have a couple other first-rounders, I believe. And with this being a strong quarterback draft class as well, they wanted to see what they have with Tua um, to see if maybe they need to take a Trey Lance or a Wilson from BYU or a Fields. I don't think they'll obviously be in play for Lawrence. Um, that that report was refuted today by Brian Flores, but what's he supposed to say? Um, said they, they like Tua and they're in the market of developing players, not just getting rid of them right away, but... Um, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. The Dolphins are a pretty good defense, as we saw last week against the Rams. Um, I think there's some, they're suspect on the ground still yet, but um, we're going to see what Tua has here. And unfortunately, it's just not you're not going to have the the Fitzpatrick games that you had with Parker last year, and even a couple times this year so far. So the high ceiling's definitely definitely gone. Um, Parker's. Probably a flex play at best moving forward. Uh, who wins ice cream versus Park? I think Park continues their 0-13 season, and I'll take the ice cream. Uh, I will take... Give me the Park. I think they get it done. Oh, oh my God. This, no, this is ice cream, and it's not close. Yeah, it's not close. I agree. Uh, all right, T-Bag versus Flock. We haven't talked about the Flock yet. One of the teams that we haven't talked about that wasn't involved in the trade deadline. Um, five and three. Probably could have, should have made a move, but um, knowing Jason, I think he's using this first year to get his bearings around the league and kind of see how everyone handles the year and what he needs to do from there. And His, his team's good enough to compete and probably make the playoffs without making a move, but... Uh, we'll see what he's able to do down the stretch. Uh, going against Take Your Ball and Go Home. We'll start off with that team. Uh, I think we've already answered this question too, but is Philip Lindsay the back to own in Denver now? I, I Like I said before, I think he is. Um, I think he just... I don't I don't want to say he's a better player than Melvin Gordon, but I, I'm kind of leading that way right now that he's just a better football player than Melvin Gordon at this point. I, I don't know. I just feel like he can do more. He's more explosive, um, in my opinion. Um, I still think that this is kind of going to be a split split share backfield um, for the time being. But I, I would not be surprised at all if Lindsay starts getting the two, three, four more touches per game than Gordon does. I think he is the back down in Denver. Um, Look, he, I mean, he's he's had a lot of success there. He, he's made himself a, a nice little career. And what we've seen out of Gordon, I, I just I haven't loved that. I don't think he's been all that good. And, and frankly, he's been pretty disappointing from a fantasy perspective. The, the thing you like about Lindsey, um, he can do more with less. Saw him take that 50-plus yard touchdown to the house last week. So obviously that's nice. Um, Gordon has always been a product of volume. I think at one point he was the 
the joke of the touchdown dependency. I think that was where that started. Um, so I think Lindsay is the backdown. I agree with you guys. <clears throat> uh, moving over to the flock. Uh, I'm going to eat, eat a little bit of crow here myself. Is Jonathan? Ta- Can you start Jonathan Taylor this week with ankle issues and the play of the other running backs in this offense last week? And we haven't really seen Taylor break out like I expected him to. Um, you know, Hines and Wilkins both had nice games last week, and Taylor was on the injury report, I believe, but he's off now. Um, tough matchup at Baltimore. I'm not sure Baltimore might have some players out on defense because of COVID. Um, but still, not a matchup that you're excited about, in my opinion. Yeah, Baltimore, uh, obviously, tough defense to, to start against. Um, Taylor's been okay. He hasn't. He just hasn't been great, Like, uh, kind of like you said. I mean, he's, he's been all right. He's getting decent volume. He's, he's been getting double-digit carries every week. Um, just hasn't put up any big yardage numbers. He's sitting there right there in the 50s, 60s and as far as yardage. Then obviously has the bad clunker last week. Um, hasn't been overly involved in, out of the backfield catching the ball. Um, that's something you like to see if, if you're going to see a, start, a guy start to, to press for that RB1 status. And you, you see him catch three, four, five passes out of the backfield every week. And that's really hasn't happened yet this year um it's been okay but not great um i'm a little concerned i'm a little concerned i i don't know i I just feel like that whole offense is kind of it's kind of you don't know who it's going to be week in week out who's going to kind of get the production and i'm a little worried as far as taylor i mean you saw him in there as a flex and feel okay about it but that's that's nothing nothing more than that for me uh, yeah, Taylor has been disappointing, um, and he's trending in the wrong direction. They put up 42 last week, and he was a footnote in that entire offense. Uh, and, and frankly, look, Wilkins looked way better than he did, which is a little scary. That being said, this week, he's certainly playable, and I like the Colts to win. Outright, Stone Cold prediction number two. Love this, getting these predictions from Phil. You're feeling yourself after that Rams call last week. Um, Outright. We'll see. We'll see. I I know I talked about the flock not making any moves. The the biggest shot in the arm that you could get here is DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor taking off here at the end of the season with what they should be relatively fresh still. Um, Both top talents in the draft last season. Swift's been trending in the right direction. Taylor hasn't, but it doesn't mean that he can't take off. Um, I feel like I should have known this, but just an interesting note on the Colts. Phil Rivers has never missed a start in his career since he's been the, been the starting quarterback of the team. Second all, wow. second all time in consecutive starts to Brett Favre now. I think he's made like 230 plus consecutive starts. So, um, nobody in this league loves Phil Rivers more than me. Um, I know I've said that he's washed, and I still kind of believe that, but just think about that career that this guy's had. I mean, he played on a torn ACL in the playoffs um, in the AFC Championship game. He's had a bunch of nicks and injuries, but just answers the bell every week, and it's admirable. So, love Phil Rivers. Uh, put him in the Hall of Fame. Um, 
who wins this matchup between the Flock and Take Your Ball and Go Home? Last time these teams squared up was in Week One. The Flock won one twenty-four to one hundred three. Before I get my answer, I mean the Flock did try to make a move with me. They tried to move CD. They made a a small push at Calvin Ridley. They offered CD Lamb, and they said cash didn't give me a cash amount. I don't believe I have to go check the messages, but um, so I mean I think they they wanted to, but I, I like you said I think they were kind of just more hesitant of. I'm not sure what they had, if they had any other deals offered for any other teams, but I would have liked to see this team go out and and sell hard. I feel like they have a roster that could win. Um, like you said, if Swift takes off, Jacobs comes starts doing what he does, and I mean, if Taylor is has a nice, strong close to the season, I mean, with Metcalf, Godwin, Cooks, I mean, it's a pretty good roster. Um, you feel like one more piece, and they would have had a had a nice chance, but um, still think it's a good team, and obviously I'll take the flock this week against the uh, depleted T-bag roster. Flock will beat this roster no matter if Shane's sold or not. Give me the flock, and now it's not close. Man, you are coming in hot tonight. Um, I'll take the flock as well. All right, Fleetwood franchise against the Seawolves. They make the A.J. Brown deal and then play each other. Uh, no, sorry. That was the curtain. Sorry. Seawolves versus Franchise. Last time these teams squared up was in week four. Seawolves won uh, 160 to 118. Seawolves looking to get to 7-2. and two. But we'll start off with the Franchise. <clears throat> After complaining last week on Twitter, could we see a Marquise Brown explosion this week? Um, Phil already mentioned that he thinks Indy wins outright, so I'm going to say Phil's going to say no, but for those that missed it, after the game, Marquise Brown tweeted out, what's the point of having soldiers if you never use them? So he then deleted that tweet because he probably realized it was stupid and he didn't want to sound like his cousin, Antonio Brown. But um, I guess the first question would be... um, could we see an explosion this week? And the second question would be, do you think Marquise Brown is a soldier? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, yes, we could see an explosion this week. I don't think it happens, but we could. Um, there's always potential there. He's obviously a big play threat. Um, but his quarterback's not very good, so I'm, I'm going to lean on the side of no. Um and no, the answer is number two is no, he's not a soldier because I, I don't believe he's that good at football. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, just don't, I just don't think he's a great receiver. He's very fast, obviously. He's athletic. But I, I don't see him. <laughs> I just don't think he's very good. <laughs> and obviously when you have someone that doesn't throw the ball very well, it's, it's tough to make a, make a great combination out of that. Yeah, to answer your question, he he's no Kellen Winslow. He, he he's just <laughs> I actually think he's okay at football. Like I I, I think he's a decent receiver. I agree. I don't think he has a real NFL quarterback throwing him the football. Um, I think he's got a a, a shitty wide receiver throwing him the football, and that's Lamar Jackson. It's it's incredible to me, after an MVP season how much Lamar Jackson needs to win a playoff game this year. Like, if they can get in. I think they should. They should be good enough to get in the playoffs. But, God, has a guy ever needed to do something in the playoffs to really get the the stink off of his name after 
what was one of the greatest offensive seasons we've ever seen last year. Um, I agree with Phil. I think Marquise Brown has skills, obviously. There's no reason why he couldn't be a, a Tyreek Hill caliber player in a real offense that has a quarterback that can throw the football. But unfortunately, that's just that's just not this team's skill set. So um, I think he... I think they could design some things to kind of force feed him this week and maybe get a big play or two. But like you said, Shane, it's probably more unlikely than likely. All right, going over to the Wolves. <clears throat> James Conner. We're going to talk about him this week against the piss-poor Dallas defense. Uh, this game should be <clears throat> really, really ugly. Uh, Dallas should get the doors blown off them. And James Conner been remarkably healthy this year, too. So, my question for James Conner, over under 25 points this week. Oh, God. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, it's under. Um, hasn't done it at all this year. Had a couple hasn't of big weeks. Done it in two years. Week two and three had over 20, but um, been pretty consistent right around that 15-point mark. Um, the last four weeks. Um, I don't know that they're going to need to press the issue here. I like Connor to obviously get in the end zone, but I think it's more of a, let me say, 80 to, 80 to 90 yards rushing and a score. Um, closer to closer to 18 to 20 points. Look, it's their, it's their third road game in a row. I think it's... Uh, probably more of what they're going to use as a bye week. And I could see them going by a backfield, uh, backfield committee this week just to yep. give, give him some rest. They, they, they had that pseudo bye um, back when they were supposed to play the Titans the first time. They, they, they know the Cowboys aren't any good. They'll show up and play. But I, I could see a few different running backs getting the carries in the backfield this week, which means under. I'll take the over because I don't bet unders. I think he scores twice. Uh, who wins Wolves versus Franchise? I'll take the Wolves. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take the Wolves. They're they're just a better team right now. Give me the Wolves. No reason not to. All right, let's go to Fegley versus the Mad Dogs. Big. Uh, Big matchup this week for both teams. Uh, Mick's trying to get to 7-2 and two and put a stranglehold on the far division. Fegley's trying to stay in the playoff hunt. Last time these teams squared up was in Week 5. Uh, the Mad Dogs won 119-87. to We'll start with Fegley's team. And I'm going to talk about Sterling Shepard. He's a guy that has struggled to stay healthy in his career, but... He looks healthy this year, and surprisingly not, I guess. He's he's good when he's healthy. He's, he's been good in his career when he's healthy, and uh, Danny Dimes seems to have a little bit of a rapport with him. Uh, he's had back-to-back double-digit games, and Washington's secondary is not scary, albeit their front seven is, as we well know in this podcast. So will Sterling Shepard go three straight double-digit games? Yeah, I think he will. Um, 
shown the past couple of weeks that there's 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 good rapport there, and I like uh, I like him to put up another seven eight catch game this week, and I think he gets at least seventy to eighty yards receiving. So yeah, I'm, I got him double digits. No, I not this week. I, I, I think they're gonna run into a buzzsaw in Washington. Excuse me, Washington football team. You know, you know that defense, much hyped. They they've they're solid. Um, Stone Cold Lock number three of the week. Washington football team outright. Shepard not gonna get there. I think he can get to ten points. I think I think I agree that Washington wins, but um, they're gonna throw the ball. A lot because their running game's poor, and Washington has a great front seven. So, I think Shepard and Slayton both go for double digits this week. All right, well, my question for the Mad Dogs was Matt Breida or Mike Davis in the flex, too. But Mike Davis was dropped today, so I guess it's going to be Matt Breida. Um, He's got a Q next to his name, so... I guess, is there anyone on this roster that he could play if uh, Matt Breida is not healthy? I mean, it looks like his other options are Johnny Smith and Gus Edwards as the only available ones right now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think I would lean towards Gus Edwards as my pick there. Um, just based on the fact that he, I think, feel like he has a better chance of getting some some carries inside the five yard line. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. It's still Baltimore doesn't feel like they've gone one hundred percent committed to one back yet. Maybe, maybe in a few weeks, but Edwards is still going to get a lot of the run, just like we saw against Pittsburgh last week. I think if Breed is healthy and off the injury report come Sunday, I think you can start him because he should get the most work. Um, but I agree with you guys. If it's not Matt Breida, it has to be Gus Edwards over Johnny. Um Heard a crazy stat today. And it's the Chicago Bears defense has not allowed a quarterback one week. So hasn't had a top 12 quarterback play against them since they played the Chiefs in 2018. So the whole 2019 season... All of this season so far, and whatever was after that Mahomes game in 2018. So, Bears defense um, still stout as always. Who wins Mad Dogs versus Fegley? This one is uh, pretty close, I think. Is that his official new team name, Fegley? <laughs> no, I'm. He, he's t- <laughs> he's talking about going with Team Mush. Because he feels like everything he does goes to shit. Um, so it hasn't been confirmed yet, but I just feel like it's appropriate to not use the team name that is in our league page. Guys, can you update his name to say Fegley Football Team? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I can do that. I don't know if I should, but I can. Thank you. <clears throat> Um, I'll take the Mad Dogs. I like Rodgers and Adams to hook up again here in the second half of this game. Um, this train keeps rolling for, for those two, um, which I think, even though Mahomes and Hill are obviously on the other side, I, I think there's going to be enough there for uh, the Mad Dogs to put up a big week, and I think they win by at least 15-20. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Mad Dogs. I think they're going to win by at least 15-20. 
this Fagley football team is pretty good for a team that was selling last week. Uh, it's a good roster, but mixed Mad Dogs pulls it out. It's not close. Well, Rogers just threw a pick, so that hurts. It got pulled back. Oh, really? Okay. Well, 12 men on the field. I'm still going to take Fegley because right now the projection is 96 to 76. Uh, Matt Breida has a projection of zero, so apparently ESPN doesn't think he'll play this week. Um, I don't think Tanyan's done anything yet for the Mad Dogs, so that hurts. I don't think Randall Cobb's good at football. And right now the uh, Fegley football team does not have a flex two in the lineup. So they're projected to win by 20 right now without a player in their starting lineup. So I'll take Fegley, um, and I don't think it's close. All right, Weevils versus Steel Curtain. Steel Curtain sitting at 5-3. and three. Weevils at 4-4. Four and four. Last time these teams squared up, Bowl won 131-123 to in Week 4. This one's projected 118.2 to 118.1. Can't get much closer than that. Uh, should be a good game. Again, <clears throat> more important for Bowl than Eddie. But Eddie's only a game behind Phil for the division lead, so he doesn't want to really give up a game right now. Uh, we'll start off with Bowl's team. Uh, we've talked about this backfield situation quite a bit in the last couple weeks, I think, between Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. Drake unlikely to play this week. Edmonds with a great matchup on the ground against Miami. Can Chase Edmonds steal the job from Kenyon Drake this week? And I feel like we talk about these two at least three times a year, um, yeah. this situation. Um, it's just, what's it going to be? Um, I don't, I just don't know that, I, I don't think they're going to let him steal it. I think when Drake comes back, he'll, he'll, he'll slot back into the starting role. Um, so I'm going to say, no, he can't steal it, but I certainly expect him to have a big week this week. What a, what a nice opportune time for for Bowl to have uh, have this kind of matchup for Edmonds. You got to expect him to be a top ten play this week at least, right? Oh, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> God, how, <laughs> I, how many cheddies, Phil? <laughs> I will say this is the week Chase Edmonds officially takes over that backfield. However, for Stone Cold prediction. Of the week, Dolphins outright at Arizona. I don't think he's going to have a big week. I think he takes over the job, but they keep him in check. Wow. Phil going double <clears throat> dose on the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, I think he takes the job this week. I'm, I, I, and maybe for the next week or two until Drake's healthy again. I don't think it's going to be an outright steal, though. Um, I think that there's room for both these guys to play and compete in that lineup um, and in that offense. But Edmonds should have a really nice week this week. Um, but there's something that they like about Drake, and that's why they gave him the contract for this year. And I, I just think it's going to be hard to pry that, that job from him for, for good. <clears throat> All right, let's move over to the curtain. Um you know, there's a lot said about Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and even Zeke coming into this year. Uh, Saquon gets a lot of love, but the guy that doesn't is Dalvin Cook. And my question 
to you guys is should Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook be in number one overall player in fantasy football discussions? Should he be in the discussion, or you're saying should should I take him number one? No, I mean, should he be in the discussion? I mean, I don't think there's a clear cut number one. Um. I mean, I guess you could argue McCaffrey's still clear-cut number one, depending on what we see from him. And Kamara's vaulted, obviously, this year with his play. But I just feel like Dalvin Cook gets no love, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the number one discussion. Yeah, I mean, he's, like we said at the beginning of the show on uh, the the trivia, he's leading the league in in points per game for for non-quarterbacks. So he's basically, he's been the best player so far this year. Scored in every game this year. Um there's no competition. He gets all the touches. Um, yeah, he, he should be in the discussion. I mean, he's right there. He's right there with Kamara, right there with McCaffrey. Um, I just feel like no one really no one really talks about Minnesota that much as far as football goes. Um, but yeah, he, he's clearly great. I, I don't know that I've ever started him in FanDuel, which is the crazy thing. <laughs> Like I, I I gloss over his name every week, and I'm like, man, I, I last week I was like, man, he's he's definitely scoring this week against the Packers. Like this is a shoe in, like you got to start him, and I, I still don't put him in. It's just like I, I always forget about him. Um, but he's clearly, I mean, he's clearly a top top three guy in the league. Yeah, I, I, number one overall, it's just he he's not there for me. He's a really good player, um, top tier RB one, but. I still think there's a pretty big gap between McCaffrey and Kamara, uh, between them and Cook. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's in the discussion. I think the reason why you probably don't play him in FanDuel at all, Shane, is because <clears throat> you never see the game from Cook where he has like 20 yards rushing, but he still gets it done with 10 catches like McCaffrey and Kamara yep. do. <clears throat> yeah. But... The fact that he doesn't have those games and still scores as much as them is probably all you need to know about it. I mean, that he's just he's really good, and I don't see a reason why that changes. I mean, they gave him the deal this year. I think he's got to be in discussions right now um, as one of the top three players. I think it's him, McCaffrey, and Kamara, and I think it's very close. I wouldn't I wouldn't fault anyone for going either way. Played six games, has 10 touchdowns already. I mean, that's... Sorry, 11 touchdowns. <laughs> um, 10 on the ground, one receiving. So, I mean, pretty incredible. Uh, but like I said, I'd like to see him used more out of the backfield. I feel like there's even more... There's more production to be had. Like, I'd like to see him catch catch a few more passes out of the backfield. Yeah. It could be, could be even more incredible. I, uh, I want to just fix something that I said in the last matchup. Um... Mad Dogs have 31 points out the gate, so they're actually projected to win right now. Fegley still is down a player, so that projection will get close. I'm still going to take uh, Fegley, but um, that game will be closer than I said it was, so I apologize for that. Um, who wins Weevils versus Curtin? Right now, the Weevils only getting 1.2 from Hasty. Uh, they're going to need more than that, but if I look at their matchups this week, man, are they juicy. Uh, a lot of nice matchups over on the Weevils' side. You got Big Ben against Dallas. 
Um, we talked about the Chase Edmonds matchup. Gurley's obviously going to score because that's what Gurley does. Uh, Keenan Allen against the Raiders. Terry McLaurin against the Giants. Jared Cook is having a nice year. And then you have Zeke and Hasty in the flex. I'd like to see Hasty get closer to 10 in this one. Um, probably could have made a case for starting Chase Claypool over Jermichael Hasty in this one if you're the Weevils. Um, but who do you guys have winning this one? I'll take the Weevils, and I think it's really close. Another touchdown for Rodgers. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, the curtain. Um they got a better <clears> roster, <throat> but really good matchups for the Weevils, like you said. They're going to need Hasty to pick it up here. I, I'm okay with the start. I thought, I mean, with how banged up the team is, it felt like the volume should have been pretty good for him tonight. Um, just hasn't been there yet, but maybe that picks up in the second half here. Maybe um, gets a lot of garbage time points here. They're going to need him to get close to at least 10 here to probably try to keep this thing close. Um, but give me the curtain. Give me the Weevils. Uh, this one's really, really close, though. I just, I just like some of those matchups. I think he has a better roster by a little bit. I just like some of the Weevils matchups. Yeah, there are some good matchups on the curtain side, so we should talk about Josh Allen against Seattle, Dalvin Cook against Detroit, James Robinson against Houston. Those are three good matchups. We'll see what Michael Thomas and Jameson Crowder are doing and what's hopeful to be their return. Um, but, you know, the having to start pick the right Bills running back is going to be tough on a week-to-week basis now. So that may offset Hasty, depending on what he can end with here. Um, I agree. This game's really close. Uh, game of the week. Matchup of the causes. Uh, St. Louis Patriots against the Denver Desert Dogs. Probably a loser leaves town match for the Desert Dogs. Not so much for the yes. Patriots sitting at five and three. Um, we'll see. I think there's a chance seven and six gets in, so I won't say if I lose this that it kills me. But I agree with Shane that that's going to be very tough this year, um, thanks to Abusement Park. Uh, we'll start off with my team, the Desert Dogs. I'm hopeful that Christian McCaffrey returns this week, and if he does, over under fifteen points for Christian McCaffrey. Um, in this matchup. Over. Um, he's really, really good. And he's going to jump back into his RB1 status. And there's points to be had against uh, against Kansas City, obviously. And they're going to need him to, to, to put up some, some nice numbers. And obviously, with them going to be winning the game, um, like <laughs> Phil said, it's going to come with uh, McCaffrey doing his part. Um, so give me, give me a 20-plus game for Christian. We're just catching, catching Vegas sleeping on this. Sometimes they put out a bad number. McCaffrey's going to double that. He'll be 30 points plus in this upset win for the Panthers. All right. Well, I'll take the I'll take a slide over on 15. You guys are a little more bullish than me, but I'm um, just curious to see how they work him back in here. Um, Mike Davis obviously showed that he's competent. So we'll see what kind of touches CMC gets in this game and Hopefully the Panthers can keep it close. I know Phil has them winning outright, but it's really hard to go against Casey's offense right now. Um, all right, well, the question for Papa Kaz's team, Phil already talked about this game too. I said, can Kyler have a smash week against this scary Dolphins pass rush secondary? 
Phil's got uh, the Dolphins winning outright, so I'm going to say Phil says no. I think Kyler's a, a safe 22 to 23 floor most weeks, um, and I think he probably does right around his projection of 25. Yeah, I mean, he's been incredible this year, obviously. Um, I think he comes back to earth a little bit this week. He's had a pretty soft schedule this so far this year. I mean, look at these teams he's played. San Francisco week one, and then it's Washington, Detroit, Carolina, Jets, Cowboys, Seahawks. I mean, can't get much juicier than that. Um, I think the Dolphins might be, or are clearly better than anything he's seen in the last month. Um, so I think he comes back to earth a little bit, but I still expect him to put up 25 points. Yeah, I... I think I'll put up 20. Um, Arizona's pretty good at passing the football. Dolphins are pretty good at defending the pass, not not so much the run. But this is going to be a really good test, uh, and, and we'll see where he is. I, I, I still think he gets to 20. It's, it's going to be hard for him not to get there, I should say. Um, he's probably right in that range. Yeah, the, the benefit for Murray against this Dolphins defense, unlike... Jared Goff last week is that Murray's not a statue. Um, he can actually move, so that's going to help him and probably evade a couple of the, the sacks that Jared Goff is unable to because he's awful. Uh, last time, the Patriots and Desert Dogs linked up. Papakaz smacked me. I put up 69 points, my worst output of the season. Um, who do you guys have winning this matchup this week? Yeah, I'm going to uh, – obviously, I, I touted the Desert Dogs as one of the top two or three rosters. Um, and, and obviously, I like this team to uh, to put up some points. I think you, you have a lot of great players. But I'm going to dub this one as the take-your-son-to-work game because um, <laughs> I, I think that's what the Patriots are going to do this week. I love the Pats this week. I, I, I see Carson having a good week. I see David Johnson having a good week. Kelsey, Julio, I mean – even the flexes, I love Beasley and Juju this week. Uh, give me the pats and putting the uh, Desert Dogs on life support. Pats are going to be packing his son's stuff up and sending him out of town. Give me the pats <laughs> and a real tight one. Kicking him out of the house today. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, there's some interesting things going on in this game. Um. Texans have some COVID concerns, which obviously affects both of us with Deshaun Watson, David Johnson, and Will Fuller in this matchup. So it'll be interesting to see how that one bears out. Um, I think the Texans COVID players, though, are on the defensive side, so that may make this game more of a shootout than it probably already should be. We'll see how much Jake Lutton can do for the Jaguars in his debut. Um, I, I like Diggs against Seattle this week, obviously. Waller's had a couple down weeks, so I think he's back. I'm not sure what I'm going to do in my flex two spot with Christian Kirk. Um, it's going to be Kirk, Sanders, or Chenault. I'm going to avoid Adrian Peterson in the revenge game against the Vikings. Uh, we'll see what Marvin Jones does against Minnesota without Kenny Galladay. It should be a good one for him, but saw Jones struggle without Galladay earlier this year. Uh, I'm going to take myself. I mean, obviously, that's 
you why you run team players out there because you expect to win, but it's going to be a tight one, and we're going to need it. So we'll see what happens. I think it's close, like you guys said, probably a nail biter. Um, and we'll know early because none of us have any Sunday night or Monday night guys. So unless I start Emmanuel Sanders, which is unlikely right now, unless Michael Thomas is out in this one. But I agree, it's close. But I'll uh, take myself because I have to. All right, you guys got anything else for week nine in the Sons of Fantasy Football League? Not yet. It's too early for me to go to it, so not yet. All right. Oh, not yet. <laughs> not not tangling yet. Not getting too excited yet. It's getting there. Good deadline. Uh, a lot of good trades. Pretty active. Uh, happy to see that. This is next few weeks. It, it, it's going to be crazy in our league. Good luck to everybody. Yeah. We'll say we, we have a bunch of teams that can win, I feel like. Um, yeah. I feel like I've said this to a couple of guys. I feel like in years past, we've had, generally, we've always had a, at least one team that's like kind of head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, I still feel at this point that there's there's a bunch of teams that could really win. Um, I don't know that we, I mean, Phil's team, obviously, we've, we've talked about how good it is, and it is a really good roster. But I, I don't know that it's to the extent of how... Last year, Eddie's team was just so good. I mean, your team for, for the two years before that, I guess it was, was just really good. Um, Spears' year two was just a head and shoulders above everyone. So, I mean, I don't know that we have that this year. I think there's a, there's a little more parity and, and four or five teams, realistically, that have a, a good shot to win this. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm getting a little nervous that the NFL has got some weird stuff in play here. The fact that they're talking about a 16-team tournament if the season gets shortened because of COVID, um, I don't I don't know. I feel that that was some weird news to come out this week with the fact that they've relatively had a pretty easy going so far. I mean, I know they had to move a couple games around earlier in the year, but they seem to have gotten things relatively under control with their policies on uh, handling COVID. So I'm... I thought that was strange that that news came out. Um, it would be really unfortunate if some weird shift happened for just how great this season's been for our league with how competitive it's been and all these teams that are in the running and all the deadline activity. It would just be frustrating if things had to come down to schedule changes and COVID at the end of the year here. But we'll see. I mean... Uh, I don't know. We haven't talked about the election yet in this podcast, thank God. Um, <laughs> but we'll see, depending on who wins, if there's like a lockdown again or what. Ha- I don't know. There's all kinds of crazy stuff out there. So I'm hoping that this just stays on track and we have a clear, concise winner at the end without any drama or NFL inter- intervention. But. I'm feeling less optimistic than I was based on that report this week. So I feel like they have something up their sleeve. I don't know if they think this is just me and conspiracy theory. I'm wondering if they think if they go to a 16-team tournament, if they can somehow get some TV revenue back to offset ticket sales. Um, 
I mean, could you imagine what a 16-team NFL playoff tournament would do um, on the market for TV ratings? I mean, it would be otherworldly. It would be March Madness-esque. Yeah, you get that extra extra two games of playoff games, which is huge. Yeah, so I'm just wondering if they have something up their sleeve here that they're not telling us about because I don't trust... Roger Goodell as much as I trust the two politicians that ran in the election this week. So, All right, that's my diatribe. We're now around an hour and a half, so it's time to wrap it up. Thank you guys for bearing with us tonight, and uh, thank you two for joining me and talking week nine and the trade deadline. It's been fun, and uh, good luck to everyone this week, and we'll talk to you guys next week when we preview week 10 in the Sons of Fantasy Football League.